that. Let me tell you a little bit about this week. <clears throat> and um, my message is a little shorter today just because I'm not sure how long I can make it. Um, anybody have one of those weeks that is just, yeah. yeah. No, it's okay, it's fine. I can't smile because it hurts. But um, uh, anybody have one of those weeks where it's kind of one of a roller coaster week where one day is a good day and the next day you're just mad at the world? Okay, that was my week this week. Monday I was excited because the machine for uh, radiation broke, so I didn't have to go in. And, uh, and then Tuesday it was fixed again, so that's when my bad week started. Um, if you had a chance to, this week we put on the blog a, uh, a video of what I got to go through in high speed. And it was, uh, it's interesting to watch from the outside because I've never seen it other than through a mesh mask over my face. And, uh, and seeing it happen and going through it all um, was interesting. But that morning, um, that was one of my bitter mornings. Um, I don't know why I had woken up and I wasn't happy. Here in Jerome, talk about there's just things that happen in life and you don't know why. And I don't want to be doing this. I really don't. I'd rather just be healthy. I, I get tired of seeing people on Facebook complain about how their back aches or, oh man, I stubbed my toe today. I'm like, I will switch with you right now. I promise you I will do it. You can come lay down and you can get buzzed up with radiation and I will have a stub toe. I'm fine with that. And you know, you, you start going through those things and those kind of things you think about in your mind when you're, when you're doing stuff and and uh, you, you have to know me if this is your first time here or, or you don't know me very well. I'm probably not your typical pastor because most pastors play their, their cards close to their chest and, and they don't really tell people about like this. But I'm fine telling you. I got angry this week. And I just wasn't happy. And, and Christy, unfortunately, was a brunt of that on the day we were filming. And um, I could show you the first video that I filmed that we cut and I filmed later because it wasn't, uh, it wasn't a happy me. Um, I, was, I was very unhappy. I was... I just didn't really want to do it. Then on top of it all, one of my glands in my cheek uh, plugged up and it's supposedly, it's some sort of gland that drains into your mouth uh, that creates saliva. Well, it plugged up and the whole side of my face swelled up and uh, which caused the inside of my cheek to swell up whereas between my teeth. So when I would bite something, I was biting the inside of my cheek, which is already raw from the radiation. And it was just, it was really irritating was the, was the best best way to put it. Next day, I kind of got to thinking, you know, um, I'm okay. Uh, you know, this is just what God has me going through for whatever reason. And as we look at the passage today, our verse is Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. And the verse is this, for we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. He already knew all this that I'm going through this week. He knows everything you're going through. He's using it to mold me. He's using it to shape me. He's doing the same thing with you. And I'm not sure if you can hear, but I got really pasty mouth, and I, I could drink 20 of these, and it's, and it's not going to change anything. It just kind of builds up in there, and you have to take a good, hard swallow. When I wake up in the morning, I feel like my throat's closed off, and I'm just, I just don't like this. I don't like what I'm having to go through. And the thing is, is there's people going through so much worse. It could be one of my kids. That would be a whole lot worse for me. I'm sure you as a parent could understand that as well. I'd much rather go through anything than make any of my kids have to go through anything. I think about um, Britt Merrick, who uh, he's, a, he's a pastor over in, in California. Uh, he's a Calvary Chapel, right, Scott? One of the Calvary Chapels over there? Um, but he, his daughter, Daisy, maybe you've seen the Pray for Daisy stuff that's come across Facebook, but his daughter had a Nerf, sized, uh, Nerf football-sized tumor in her and had to go through radiation and everything and as soon as it went away they went and celebrated and went to Hawaii. She got sick while in Hawaii and come back. Man, at least I'm not that. 
And uh, somebody this week kind of set me off just a little bit. And it wasn't like I went off on them, but it got my mind thinking that that is just the dumbest thing to say. And, uh, and I actually had a filter in my mouth at that point in time not to actually say it. But has anybody ever told you, well, God will never give you more than you can handle? That's a bunch of crap. Okay? <laughs> I'm just going to let you know that. Right now, I'm not sure if I'm allowed to say that. I'll bleep it out on the, uh, on the, on the podcast. For those of you who are listening, the bleep was not a real bad bleep. It's just a kind of a bleep. Um, but it doesn't say that anywhere in the Bible. I looked. I looked all over. I couldn't find it. The closest thing it says is it says that it, he won't give you more temptation than you can handle. But it doesn't say he won't give you more pain than you can handle because if he didn't give us more than we could handle... What good is he? Why would we need to rely on him if we could do it all ourselves? And that's something we need to continually remember and continually go through because each and every one of us in here is going through struggles. I mean, it could be mental struggles that you don't think you're good enough to physical struggles and physical pain. There's all different sorts of things in between that you're going through. But the cool thing is, is as we look at this verse, we know that God has prepared in us already, way ahead of time. He knew it all. We talked about it weeks ago, that he had chosen us before the foundations of the world. That he loved us before the foundations of the world. And that's an amazing thing to see here, and it's an amazing thing to, to try and wrap your mind around. And I'm telling you, I, every morning I wake up, and I have to get up early so I can get across town, so I can do this thing, and I don't really want to do it. And as I'm laying there, um, another thing that is just really, really bothering me right now is that my taste buds are gone, so nothing tastes good at all. So my joy of eating is now gone. Now I just eat so I can live. You know, who does that? That's not even fun. And the, the idea of, of all this going on and just to say, God, you, you know exactly what you're doing. And I look back at my life and all the things that I've gone through that's brought me to this point in Jerome, hearing your testimony, I can, I'm sure that you can do the same thing. You look back on the things that you've gone through that brought you to this point. And right now, I can't see it very well, but hindsight is always 20-20. And we look back and say, okay, God, I know exactly what you're doing and why you're doing it. And I want to challenge you today that as we go in through this verse, and as we're looking at this, that, that God knows exactly what he's doing. And he's prepared for us a plan. He's got a plan for our lives, and he's got things for us to do. And I know that sounds weird because for the last couple of weeks, we talked about that nothing is about doing. Nothing is about doing, but that's what this whole verse changes, and I think we need to really take a look at it. Because, see, over the last couple of weeks, chapter 1, we talked about how God loved us and how he chose us before the beginning of the world, and that he adopted us, and he took us out of everything. And, and that love was there before our works could even begin. And then last week, as we were looking in chapter 2, um, we saw that, that you know, God wants us, wants us to understand how we came to here. It's not because of our works. It's because of the saving grace of his son, Jesus Christ. And, you know, as I got to look at it, and as I got to, to studying it this week, I started noticing our motto the come as you are, be changed, go change the world, fits right into chapter 2, verses 1 through 10. And I hadn't really noticed it before, but see, we talked about it last week. You were but God by grace through faith. That was our three points, and I'm not sure if you remember that last week, and how important that is, because you were is our come as you are. 
you were walking in darkness. Come as you are. We're not asking people to come here to church and be perfect before they ever walk in the door. We want them to come and be bitter. We want them to come and be upset with God. We want them to come exactly as they are. Why? In order to but God. Let Him change them. Let Him change us, just like He's changing me every day. He is changing you as well. And how is He doing it? By grace, through faith, not of ourselves, not of our works. And that's where we all of a sudden get this, okay, well, now what? Now what? And that's where the Go Change the World comes in. Look at this verse one more time. For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. There is something more to God saving us. There is something more to God saving us. He wants us to have a better life. He wants to have, have a full life. John 10.10 10 tells us he wants us to go out. He wants us to reach out. He wants us to take that grace that he has shown to us and show it to others. That's what he wants from us. And the first thing I want to see from this verse is this. Because this verse can, can get twisted. But it is, good works in the Christian life are not the means to our salvation. Good works in the Christian life are not the means to our salvation. Because see, sometimes we have a tendency to think, that because of what we do, that's why God loves us. Because of how we live our lives, that's why God loves us. We start leaning towards that our good works somehow redeem us. That our life is based on the scale. And when we show up and see God at the end, he's going to have a giant scale in front of us. And this is going to be all of my good stuff and this can be all my bad stuff. And as long as one doesn't outweigh the other, as long as the good outweighs the bad, heaven is mine. And I can't tell you how many times I've had an opportunity to try and share the gospel with somebody, and if you've ever done EE, there's always two very important questions you ask right up front. And one of the questions is, if you were to stand before God today, and he were to say, why should I let you into my heaven, what would you say? And almost every response I get was, well, I think I'm a good enough person. You see, that's not the way it happens. It's by God's grace, not by our works, because our works, works are worthless in comparison to Jesus, who is perfect. Remember in verses 8 and 9 from last, from last week, it's for by grace you've been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves, it's a gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. And when you get, and when you get to verse 10, you see a sequence here. You see, if you're a believer and if you're saved, it's, we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, or to do good works, depending upon what translation you're looking at. That's what we're created for. That's what we are saved for. It's not the other way around. Our works don't save us. God saves us. Our works show it. Our works are our fruit, if you will. You see, good works follow God's work. Good works follow God's work. If you're going to take notes on anything I say, if there's anything you need to remember today, that's the one thing I want you to walk out of here with. Good works follow God's work of redemption. That's what you need to remember. That's what we need to remember. Because I'm not sure if you remember back to verses 1 through 3 last week. 
When it said you were, all the things that it said we were, it says we weren't good, we were dead, we were enslaved, we were powerless, we had no desire to love God, we had no affection for God or towards God, but God still worked as a resurrection in our lives, and he did what? He changed us. He saved us. He didn't say it was because of our good works that we got saved. He didn't say, I'm sending Jesus because you're such good people. Actually, it was the exact opposite. And it was by God's work alone. So our good works, our good works are not the grounds for our salvation. And this is a very important point for us to grasp because of this. If for some reason, if for some reason you get in your head that your good works are what gets you there, and you know, you could believe one day that it's not, and the next day somehow or another our mind plays tricks on us. There, have been, there are people that have been Christians for a long, long time that I'll talk to that think for some reason they're better than somebody else. I'm myself included. Start thinking, well, yeah, I'm better than them. But in God's eyes, we're all just a bunch of sinners. We talked about that last week. And when we start believing that works are it, we start thinking that we're either some sort of superstar in the Christian religion which is what the Pharisees were. If you ever read about them in the Bible, Jesus never had anything good to say about them. Or we start saying, God doesn't love me because I'm not good enough to work for him. See, God's love is not based on our works. It's not based on what we do. It's based on who he is. That's what God's love is based on. And we need to always remember that. So the second thing I want you to see in this verse is, is that Good works in the Christian life is our response to God's grace. It's our response to God's grace. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to what? To do. We are created to do. New American Standard, I also have that up on the screen there. It says, for we are God's workmanship created, created in Christ Jesus for good works, and that we should walk in them. And I like the way the New American Standard really kind of tackles all of Ephesians. Because the whole idea of how we walk is, is throughout. It continues to use that. Anybody remember what the, the title of this whole sermon series is? Just in case you don't, it's the life that we are meant to live. The life that we are meant to live. That's what the book of Ephesians is all about. You see, we get caught up in this life of, if I do then this is the result. Ephesians is, because God's love is, we do, this is our result. It's, <coughs> I'm sorry. It's one of those things that we look at and we just have a really, really hard time grasping and really, really hard time wrapping our mind around. And I talked about it last week, but this verse, it's all about how we are walking as Christ has laid that path out for us. See, too many believers believe that God saved us to save us from hell. And that's it. Now, did God send Jesus Christ to keep us from hell? Absolutely. But that's not where it stops at. See, sometimes we think, okay, well, as long as, as, long as I'm saved, I got my passport punched, boom, I can do whatever I want. I can live the life that I feel necessary. I believe the word hypocrite comes to mind. 
Do you know the word hypocrite came from the church? The word hypocrite came around because of the church? That's where that word came from? Because we say we believe in this God, yet we live a life that is of the world. If you really look at how the two verses, or the the first three verses of chapter 2 are, it talks about who we were and how we were walking. Verse 10 now tells us this is who we are created to be and how we should be walking. There should be a difference. There are directional differences in our lives if you're walking with Jesus or if you're walking without Jesus. And it should be obvious, shouldn't it? I mean, in all honesty, I'm not coming up here and saying, hey, you need to do this in order to be considered a Christian. But it should be a natural response to God's grace that people can automatically see. Man, there's something different about that guy. There's something different about that lady that says, I'm a Christ follower. See, Paul tells us in verse 10 that there's this new life that he gives us. A new life of passions, a new life of desires, a new life of pursuits that aren't the same as the world's. So why do we continue? Why do we continue to follow what the world has to offer? Why do we continue to set God aside and say, you know what? I like this. I like living out of the dumpster versus living out of the mansion that God has created. Why do we do that? See, our hearts should change. And it's amazing what Jesus says about the heart in a couple of different passages in John and in Matthew. I want to read them for you right here. Jesus says in John 7, 37 and 38, it says, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. And I want to show this living or flowing rivers of living water. We have a joke for a river, okay? I'm just going to be honest with you. This over here is not a river. Even though it's called the River Grande, you know, basically. uh, uh, Not sure where the title came from. It was a joke, and it stuck. But when you go back east, and you see a crick, as they call them back there, their cricks back there are much larger than our rivers, there are rivers, you know, you have to actually take a boat to get across them. This one here, you can kind of wade, I think, for, for the most part. And the thing is, is sometimes we see that flowing, just, Jesus should be flowing out of our lives, not like the Rio Grande, but like a torrent, like something that people can't even stand. Jesus should be there coming out of our lives. Look what it says in Matthew fifteen eighteen uh, through 20 about what normally comes out of a heart. It says, but what comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart, and this defiles a person. For out of the heart comes evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false witness, and slander. These are what defile a person. See, this new direction takes us from that and puts us in a whole new path to say, Jesus, this is where we get the term, Jesus is living in our heart. Because that's what should be coming out of us. That's what should be flowing out of us is who God is and what he has done for us. Saving grace bears fruit. And it overflows into everything into our lives. That is why we do what we do. We do in response. And that response can show people God's grace. 
I am so thankful for the 30-plus people that showed up here yesterday to help clean up the school. We had a work day here, and, and we did, <clears throat> did some weed pulling and trash, and guys were shoveling sand and doing all that stuff, and I appreciate it more than you guys will ever know. I did not make it out. Doctor said, don't stay out of the sun. Do everything you can not to get out there. Um, and so I said, okay, you know, if you're going to twist my arm, I don't have to go pull weeds. That's fine. Okay. Um, the, uh, but, you know, I know we had a bunch of people out here, and I saw it, and everything looks really good, and I was, I was really excited about that. And there's going to be a handful of people that notice, probably mostly the, the maintenance staff. They're going to notice when they walk up. But you know what difference that makes? You didn't do it because that was going to be an extra thing on your scale to get into heaven. We do it because God has shown us love, and we want to show that to people. The reason why we come out here and set up every Sunday morning, you know, the, the skeleton crew is kind of here this morning. We are missing quite a few people, and it took a little longer. And if you got here early, you noticed the band was still practicing at 945, and we really try and get done by 930 at the very latest. But that's because there's little sound glitches, and there's only a couple of guys able to do things. And, you know, if you go over here to the to the refreshment area, you'll see there's a help, and, help wanted sign. Um, we don't do this to try and get some sort of merit out of it all. Because if you do it that way, you will burn out. You'll start hating it. You'll start hate coming to church because you're like, eh, I really don't want to have to set up 12-foot poles over here to block the sun out. Those are the things you're going to start thinking about. We do it because we love God, and in response to his grace, we understand that this is something that is necessary to show love to others. When visitors come, that we're not just sitting in a cafeteria. There's reasons why we do what we do. There's reasons why God put us here at Cleveland High School. To reach out to the neighborhoods. I was going to pull up a map and put it up here, but I'm not sure if you've seen where Cleveland High School is at in relation to everything else that's going on. But there's a new UNM West hospital that's going in out here. There's a new CNM. There's a UNM West um, school that's going in. There's some new grocery stores coming in over here. If you go down Unser a little bit, there's a new Five Guys. I'm not sure if you've seen the sign. Very excited about that. Um, once I can taste food again, of course. Um, but there's, there's so many things going on right out here within a quick shooting distance. You go down Paseo del Volcán, goes all the way to 550. It takes three minutes to get here from Enchanted Hills. Those kind of things you think about, God has placed us here for a reason, to reach out to those communities, to reach out with his love and his grace. And we're going to do some great things this summer. We had a board of advisors meeting this week, and we talked about some things that we really want to see happen, how we want to reach out to the community, how we want to do. Not just put on a VBS that's going to appeal to a couple of church kids and other church kids and maybe provide like a babysitting service, but something that is going to do for the community. Something that people are going to say, man, that church cares. Those people of that church care. Why do they care? Because God's grace has been poured out on them and they're sharing that with the rest of us. That's what it's all about. That's why we do. It's the reason we exist as a church. It's the reason why we're saved, to do good works in response to God's grace. The final thing I want you to see here is this, that good works that God has prepared for us is summed up in us becoming more like him. It's summed up in us becoming more like him. I'm going to let that soak in for a second, and I need to take a drink.
When you look at your life and the direction that it's going right now, can you say that you're becoming more like Christ, that you're becoming more like God? It's a question worth asking yourself. And you can lie to yourself, and you can lie to others, but you know the truth. Are you becoming more Christ-like? Are you walking this direction and following Him, or are you walking this direction away from Him? Where are you at right now? The great thing about this book of Ephesians, the whole thing about the life we are meant to live, I told you at the very beginning, the first three chapters are really about who God is and what He's done, and the fourth through sixth chapter is our response to that. And we see here, I'm going to give you a little preview of what's coming up. As we're going to look into into chapter 4 and 5, just a couple of verses about how we're supposed to walk. Look at what verse uh, verse 1 of chapter 4 says. It says, I therefore, a prisoner of the Lord, urge you to walk, or live a life, in a manner worthy of the calling to which you've been called. I mean, if you really look at that, it says, I urge you to live a life worthy of being called a Christ follower. Christ followers living a life worthy of being called a Christ follower. That's kind of a novel idea, isn't it? Don't you think so? It's one of those things that we should respond to and say, okay. And then you look down into, into, throughout the chapter 4. Verse 17 says, Now I say this and I testify to the Lord, you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do. In their futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from life of God because they remain ignorant in the hardness of their hearts. And this is how they live in verse, in verse 19. It says, with callous hearts given to sensuality, greedy, and in the pursuit of every impurity. Doesn't that sound kind of similar to the life that we're uh, experiencing right here, right now? But you could take out Gentiles and you could say the Christ followers versus the non-Christ followers? I mean, we live in a world that is chasing after everything but God. We live in a world that is given into sensuality and greedy in the pursuit of every impurity. If you remember last week, we talked about who you were in verses 1 through 3 of chapter 2. It sounds very similar to that. But God changes us. Look what he t- tells us in verse 24 of, of chapter 4. It says, this is what we're supposed to do. We are to put on the new self to be created like who? To be like God in true righteousness and holiness. That is the shape of the life the good works that God has prepared for us because he wants us to be more like him. That is why he has made us who he has, to be more like him. We need to want to love what he loves. We need to want to desire what he desires. We need to want to pursue what he pursues. We need to be angry about what angers him. We need to speak his words, obey his words, and display his character. God has created us for something more. The question I have for you today is, is are you walking in that something more? Or are you walking in that, well, got my heaven stamp passed and I'm good to go. Look what it says here in verses uh, 1 and 2 of chapter 5. It says, therefore, because you are now alive to God, be imitators of God as beloved children 
and walk in the love as Jesus loved us and gave himself up as a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. Walk in good works as Jesus did. Be imitators of God. Anybody ever in here, have, are you the oldest in the house and have a younger brother or sister that just annoyed the crud out of you because they always wanted to imitate you and, and do those things? Peyton is a master, okay? He's a second child, and he knows exactly how to irritate his brother. Um, I had a little sister that we got in fights all the time because she was always doing stuff, but Peyton has mastered it. He's only three. Or no, he's yeah, four. He's four. I was going through the math in my head. He's four, but um, he, uh, he is just a riot because he will do that little parrot thing where you say something and he says it back, and Camden... Oh, just grates on him, and he just gets so angry with it. And I'm not sure if you remember when your little brother or little sister, or maybe you are the little brother or little sister that did that. It's all about imitating. And, of course, anytime I would get angry at my little brother or little sister, my mom would always say the same thing. Imitation is the best form of what? Flattery. Yeah, you've all heard it then, too. I'd be like, no, it's not. No, it's not. Imitation is the best way to get them killed. Okay, that is, <laughs> that is the way it's going to work. And... That's what God wants from us, though. He wants us to imitate his everything, to be imitators of Christ, imitators of God. We'll get into that more as we progress through these chapters. But I want to show you one more verse in Ephesians, that's 5.8. It says, For at one time you were in darkness, like it says in Ephesians 2, 1 through 3, but now you are in the light. Walk as children of the light. This whole letter is about how we're to live a new life. This whole letter is about how we're to live a new life in Christ. It is the life that we were meant to live. We weren't meant to live in darkness any longer. My question for you is this. How are you responding to God's saving grace? It's a simple Easy question. How are you responding to God's saving grace? 